Hello and welcome to another episode of the Breachside Broadcast, home of the finest voxcasting either side of the breach. The Explorer Society is one of Malifaux's most secretive and exclusive organizations. Its members seek to uncover lost relics and harness forgotten sources of power. But there are whispers that those dark mysteries have corrupted the very heart of the society itself. I hope you enjoy Round Table, right after this word from our sponsor. This episode of the Breachside Broadcast is brought to you by Callahan's Secret Passages. Our team of architects and designers can turn an innocent bookshelf into a sliding door or build a hidden corridor behind a hanging tapestry. Whether you want a secret escape route or an oubliette to toss prisoners in, you can trust Callahan's. Round Table by Matthew Majerican. Gretchen's right index finger tapped gently against her leg as she stared out of the carriage window. The subtle agitation was nearly imperceptible, but both Mr. Nagatoro and Ludwig had noticed. It was always a journey of endurance, this necessary passage through the Southgate slums. It was all grime and poverty, all one decaying urban landscape passing like a zoetrope, endless repeating, dilapidated, and boring, really. The carriage, at least, offered a barrier of wealth Gretchen could rely on to keep herself isolated. Ludwig cleared his throat, ignoring the glare Mr. Nogatoro gave him. Will everyone be present this evening? Everyone in need of reminding, Gretchen said flatly, her gaze unmoving from the window. The society doesn't run itself, as much as certain parties think it does. That was the end of it. Ludwig agreed in silence, adjusting the valise at his side. The stench of the slums gave way to a breath of fresh air. The lights of the society manor were calling the elite and privileged, each one a moth to a hot flame. The estate was a colossal edifice, especially for something inside the Southgate slums. Great pale stonework almost shimmered with light. Huge glazed windows hinted at the treasures kept just beyond their glassy barriers. Baroque towers interjected at regular intervals, ensuring the building appeared just as much like a fortress as it did a noble's retreat. Gentle archways supported the society's numerous arcades. Well-tended gardens offered a perfumed breeze. The sweetness of rhododendron, begonia, and dahlias bloomed alongside more bitter ivies and shrubs. It was a rare paradise within Malifaux City, a testament to humanity and what discovery could build, a testament to what Gretchen had helped build. 
The horseless carriage rolled to a stop while Malifaux's elite milled about in the courtyard. Without another word, Gretchen slipped a pair of silk gloves over her hands and straightened the brooch at her collar. The carriage door opened and Gretchen stepped out into the gentle evening. The party was waiting. Mr. Nogatoro pushed the Explorer Society doors open, and Gretchen was met with a wave of laughter, music, and light. She stood for a moment, drinking in the unspoken tribute each guest offered her. Her dark eyes took in everything the hall offered in a matter of seconds. Finnegan, Halliday, Archibald, McCabe and that dog he always had around, Quig, Durand, Lovelace, but neither of her sisters, interesting. Representatives, Ridley, Innocence, the Council, aristocrats and their sycophants. The room had gone quiet, as though every voice had been cut down by a silent scythe. Gretchen smiled curtly to the crowd. A ripple of acknowledgement travelled through the hall, before everyone slowly went back to their conversations. Alcohol removed the nervous edge Gretchen tended to introduce to a party. That and the manor's luxurious adornments. The bookshelves alone climbed almost to the second floor, and that wasn't even considering the value of their contents. Glass displays stood next to alcoves or longer window boxes, all filled with precious artifacts and neatly handwritten labels or informative tags, even if most of them were embellished. The Explorer Society's great hall shone with candlelight and reflections of glass and mirrors, the precious metals and polished stone bouncing a multitude of soft colours against the walls and curios. Gretchen ignored it all. She drifted through the party like a shark, the crowd parting nervously before her to ensure they provided a respectable but noticeable amount of space. Everyone seemed to be enraptured in quiet conversation, or very curious about the amount of bubbles in their champagne, until their little procession had passed. Her eyes continuously scanned the room. She was searching. Ludwig hurried into a fast waddle when Gretchen's stride became more purposeful. Her heels clicked on the floor, a song that kept everyone who heard it paralysed. Lucas, Miss Halliday... Gretchen's call made both turn. McCabe started, embarrassed, eyes snapping up from his companion's backside. If she noticed, Jessie didn't make a scene. She smiled at Gretchen's approach. "'You look stunning, Lady Janus,' Jessie complimented. She shifted, adjusting the awkward dress cinched around her waist. McCabe looked more comfortable. Cleaned up, the treasure hunter almost fit into the high society surrounding him. Fake with inflated worth, just like the trinkets he peddled. Jessie, on the other hand, was clearly pining for her overalls. Just Gretchen is fine, dear. I'm sure you've been giving Lucas his first tour of our exhibits. Gretchen kept her eyes on McCabe, enjoying the discomfort of a man who had been caught looking at something he shouldn't have. Jessie nodded. I have. He wouldn't stop complaining. Mislabeled and fake were some of his critiques, I believe. She looked at McCabe, who had turned a slightly deeper shade of pink. Gretchen raised an eyebrow. Fortunate that there's no one more fitting than him to keep us informed on such fraudulence. Perhaps you could be of some service to our experts, Lucas, particularly in your Egyptian collection. I recall that area was once your specialty. 
Gretchen let herself enjoy McCabe's deepening colour, but ended the conversation before the man could respond. I hope you both enjoy this little party before your next assignment. I'll expect results. Without another word, Gretchen left. Ludwig and Mr. Nugatoro in tow. She let out a faint sigh as she walked. How she loathed small talk. It had already taken them longer than necessary to show. Gretchen appreciated subtlety, but the evening's formalities had grown tedious. My lady? The voice was refined but held a touch of nervousness. Ludwig looked up, pretending the sudden intrusion hadn't startled him. The voice belonged to a server, in his forties by Ludwig's best estimate. He was well-dressed for the occasion. Press jacket, a small Explorer Society emblem on his lapel, proffering a tray populated with champagne glasses. Ludwig felt the beginnings of a headache forming, and Nugatoro moved to remind the server of his place. Why did people always choose parties to try and get access to Gretchen? It was just unprofessional. Gretchen held up a hand. She plucked one of the glasses from the tray and smiled, genuinely this time. Thank you, she said, sipping the drink before continuing. Absolutely delightful. What's your name? I don't believe we've ever met. The question shocked the server, but he recovered quickly. Humphrey, my lady, he said, standing up a little straighter. Gretchen pondered for a moment. It was not too much trouble, Humphrey. I'm having a more exclusive gathering in one of the parlours. Would you mind accompanying me and my guests there to be our private waitstaff for the evening? The offer sped through the server's mind. There was fear, apprehension, then acceptance. It seemed like he resisted the urge to salute, instead of going with a slight bow. It would be my pleasure. And that completes our attendance. Everyone is waiting. The annexes of the Great Hall beckoned. Dozens of rooms that led deeper into the manor were all locked but Gretchen had every key. She began making her way through the party, but being in one place for so long had invited others to try their luck and gain Gretchen's attention. My lady, Lady Janus. Ludwig swore under his breath. Nogatoro glared at him again, but shared the same feeling. A tattooed man stepped forward, but Gretchen lifted a finger away from her glass. Nogatoro stopped. He loomed behind Gretchen instead. A thin, nervous man was practically running towards the four, though it was more of a rapid, awkward walk. He pushed stringy hair across his balding pate, dabbing his forehead with a handkerchief. He hadn't stopped speaking the whole time on his way over to Gretchen. Other guests knew better than to stare at the commotion. Those who didn't were quickly informed by their neighbours. Ma'am, he repeated, drawing himself up to his full, unimpressive height. I am Rye. Ryan Fairchild, a representative of our mutually beneficial organization, Gretchen interrupted. Ryan's throat bulged as he swallowed nervously, eyes flitting from Ludwig to Nugatoro and back. He shook his head as though trying to clear Gretchen's words out of his ears. He enunciated his own words with little thrusts of his hands. Then you know why I am here. We have much to discuss. You have not responded to any correspondence, even those that have been explicitly marked urgent and that is to say nothing of your lenience in regard to detailed communications about... Did you bring what I asked for? Gretchen interrupted. Ryan stuttered to a stop, and seemed to visibly deflate. I... well, I... what? Your hearing is apparently as absent as my request, Gretchen scolded. Did you bring it? The small man sponged at his forehead again. He coughed, spluttering out what he assumed was a passable response. 
Gretchen raised her hand and he fell silent. Then we really have nothing to discuss until you get me what I want. Good evening, Mr. Fairchild. This will be our last conversation until you can fulfill your responsibilities. Take that however you will. Ryan Fairchild did not make the mistake of trying to follow them. Nor did any more guests dare speak a word to Gretchen as she strode deeper into the manor's halls. Fewer and fewer socialites occupied the longer hallways and the room splitting from them. The tiniest bit of music and conversation made its way through the labyrinth, but for the most part it was just soft footfalls on carpet that accompanied the four. The occasional electric light provided illumination, but many of the rooms were dimmed a precaution and a deterrent to keep tipsy guests from wandering about where they shouldn't. Neither Ludwig nor Nugatoro complained, and the server followed dutifully with his tray. Gretchen stopped at a small panelled room, occupied by a heavy reading table and two overstuffed chairs. Rich tropical wood lined the walls. The carving started about four feet off the ground. Each panel was carefully cut and fit with its neighbour. They showed scenes of the world's greatest mysteries. Ships sailing on wooden waves, wrapped in the jaws of underwater monsters, ornate jungles, each leaf curling around idols and ziggurats, snow-blasted mountains above scorched flowing dunes, and the legendary beasts that called such places home. The work was breathtaking. And yet, Gretchen was unmoved. She strode to the opposite end of the room and fit her signet ring into the eye of a three-headed lion under a desert sun. There was a small click. The soul stone embedded in her ring flashed. The server made a small gasp of surprise, despite himself. A compass rose on the far wall rotated, pulling the panel open. Gretchen stepped inside. Ludwig Nugatoro and the server followed. Once all four had disappeared into the darkness, the panel slid shut without his sound. The staircase behind the panel was long and dark. For the server's sake, Gretchen went slower than usual. Twists and turns could be dizzying for the uninitiated, and a server with a broken neck would have been momentarily inconvenient. The few electric lights were extinguished, but Gretchen needed no guidance. Her practiced hands easily found the door she was looking for and slipped a key into the lock. It clicked, and the world again became bright. The study was large, albeit darker, and cosy was the word Gretchen had eventually decided on. Bookcases lined the far walls. A massive hearth blazed in the west wall, banishing most of the shadows cast by taxidermied beasts. Thick carpets let anyone walk in silence and ease the pressure stone flooring caused on joints. A selection of sofas, chaise longs, and side tables clustered near the fireplace and spread across the room to the east wall. They were mostly occupied, Gretchen was pleased to see. Glass cases with ornate metal bindings stood proudly next to this conference area. The firelight revealed tiny runes etched into the metal, and webs of arcane power gave the glass an odd, almost watery appearance. Gretchen knew each case's contents a selection of twitching wooden limbs wrapped in dark fabric, a tiny gold coin in the guise of a 14th-century English florin held very carefully by two warded prongs, sealed oni jars from the Three Kingdoms. Several anatomical taxidermies, ranging from human to Nephilim, were scattered about. A collective mixture of gears and flat metallic plates, ancient yet advanced, 
several colourful soul stones held up by tiny jeweler's displays. Pieces of shattered stone, runes pieced back together in a rough circle and laid on cotton cushioning. Even from across the room, Gretchen could feel the power emanating from the relics. The arcane shields were strong, but still, what the society had managed to collect in such a time was nothing short of remarkable. Gretchen, lovely to see you again, my dear. The voice was gruff but powerful, easily booming through the room. Gretchen allowed herself a smile. The same, Justin. I appreciate you taking time out of your party to attend this meeting. You're looking well. The smooth clicking of mechanical limbs signalled Cooper's approach. He was a large man, made more imposing by the sheer amount of metal forming his body. A crystal tumbler was clasped in one metal hand. A look of boredom had plastered itself across his face, but Gretchen could see something else stirring beneath. Good drink and better sport will do that, Cooper confirmed. I can't say the same about conversation, though. Damnation, the old boy is always on about some nonsense or other. Language, a voice called warningly from the fire. It took Gretchen a moment to find where the owner of the voice was sitting, but she eventually forced her eyes onto his immaculate black suit and white shoes. Ivan, Gretchen acknowledged. The well-dressed man smiled, black soulstone on the tip of his cane appearing to darken. A pleasure as always, Gretchen. I can't thank you enough for keeping the lights dimmed. I'm sure it makes the old fossil feel right at home. Ivan watched with a hint of amusement as Cooper grunted dismissively, walking toward a large bar near the fireplace. The clink of a decanter and the pouring of fragrant brandy did nothing to soften his voice. Let's make this quick. The blood is up and my hounds won't wait for your politics, unless you want to offer them that fatty snack you've brought with you. The man laughed around his cigar, winking at Ludwig. Cooper's two dogs were indeed present. Both looked at the heavy-set lawyer, who shuddered. The larger dog licked his own jowls before settling back down and closing his eyes. Gretchen stepped around the hounds. She placed her hands on the back of a tall chair, its expensive wood worn smooth with age. Then perhaps we can attend to business that concerns only our esteemed founder for the time being. Would the table have any objections to that? Gretchen looked at the others. A young girl with dark hair and her upright accountant. The girl offered a fake smile. Ivan simply lifted his hands, acquiescing to the change in itinerary. Gretchen nodded curtly. Cooper sat himself down heavily in a chair, which groaned under the sudden weight. Excellent. Humphrey, please feel free to set yourself down there for the time being. I'll call for refreshment later, Gretchen said. Nogatoro stood behind her chair, more a physical warning against trouble than anything else. Ludwig settled his bulk in a wider seat, fat fingers moving deftly to pull documents from his valise. The server took the spot next to the dark-haired girl. She eyed the man with open contempt. I thought these meetings were private, she said callously. Gretchen raised an eyebrow. Anya had collected a pile of peanut shells in front of her. Each one cracked open and left like a carcass in the desert. We need someone to clean up these inconvenient messes, Anya. Otherwise, one might think we let children into the Explorer Society, Gretchen countered, voice nearing frigidity. Anya reddened at Gretchen's comment, tossing one last shell onto the table before leaning back, chewing. The server stood and produced a small handkerchief. He hesitated before awkwardly moving to sweep the shells off the table. 
After another moment of unsuccessfully looking for a trash can, he simply folded the kerchief and shells into a little packet and placed it inside his waistcoat, sat, and folded his hands into his lap. Regarding Lord Cooper, there are only a few matters of interest. We have received distressing reports on increasingly dangerous flora and fauna encountered during the Society's scientific ventures. Of course, we've saved the honor of collecting any of these species for you, my lord. At this, Cooper's bushy eyebrows raised. Dangerous, eh? More so than the beasts hanging around this place? Ludwig nodded. If the reports ring true, sir, then I am afraid so. Cooper stroked his moustache. Interesting. He went silent for a moment, pondering. Eventually, Anya huffed and sent a dark look towards Ludwig. Is this where my money is going? Retirement plans? The assembled looked up as one. None dared shatter silence a second time. Instead, they waited while Cooper looked up, glaring at Anya from behind his spectacles. Then a feral grin broke out over the older man's face. He let out a barking laugh, slamming his hand onto his chair's arm. The wood splintered, but Cooper didn't seem to notice. Ha! I like the cut of your jib, girl! Where did you find this little rebel again, Gretchen? Dare say she's a lot more interesting than you lay about. Anya made to speak, but Cooper moved forward in his chair. Now then, let's get down to brass tacks. Inform my man Fitzroyce about the location of these beasts. These stomachers blasted society ought to do some actual exploring, eh? Cooper let out another sharp laugh, throwing back his latest snifter of brandy. He rounded on Ludwig. You have the information of these new quarries, yes? I do, my lord, but there are some financial matters to take care of first. The society's reimbursement for your expenditures involving these gatherings need to be signed. Cooper grunted, grabbing the proffered pen and roughly signing. Ludwig tucked the document away. And this one? More scribbling. And these? More aggravated scribbling. Ludwig reached for more papers. Give me one more damn piece of paper to sign, it'll be your head on that wall, Cooper growled, the pen cracking in his grip. Ludwig's neck bulged like a stressed frog, but Cooper had already stood, reaching for the colossal hunting rifle, leaning against his chair. This politic is taking up enough of the evening's hunt. Cooper tossed the pen onto the table. I'll expect that information to Fitzroy's by the week's end. Consider the next society event on me. Better than signing papers all night, he said, glaring at Ludwig. The lawyer wilted, dejectedly holding his many unsigned documents. Generous as ever, Justin. I'm sure the trophies will be well worth any meetings you miss in the interim, Gretchen chided. Yes, it's a shame you can't be in two places at once, Ivan mused quietly, smiling. Cooper grunted a rough agreement. Eula, Artemis! The two hounds immediately leapt to their feet. All traces of sleep gone from their faces. The larger one, Mueller, let out a deep bark. Cooper laughed, rubbing the dog's head as he threw the hunting rifle easily over a shoulder. What are you hunting? Anya asked. Gretchen raised the penciled eyebrow. She knew that tone all too well. It was dangerous. It was admiration. Cooper stopped, limbs whirring as he turned. A joyless smile cut across his face. In the light of the fire... Cooper's eyes looked almost yellow. Perhaps I'll take you along one day and you'll see. With that, the hunter opened another heavy door in the parlor's rear. Cooper called his hounds, who led the way through the underground passage. 
The hunter followed, and the door slammed shut unceremoniously behind them. Well, now that our Lord Cooper has been sorted, we can proceed to the matters at hand. Ludwig cleared his throat, then readjusted his seat. Several key relationships remain strained. The Guild continues to make life difficult. The cost of bribery alone has started to become annoying, and our beloved Governor-General seems determined to truly upset the status quo. Despite the aid of Condor Rails, he paused, looking over at Anya, travel and movement of delicate resources continues to encounter obstacles. With the Guild tightening control over expansions to contract towns, we've already lost quite a bit of headway. Anya's eyes narrowed. Everything this organization does runs on my rails and with my scrip, Anya said proudly. She rounded on Gretchen. Let me be very clear. Those are your obstacles, and clearing those obstacles is exactly why I agreed to sit at this table in the first place. Those delays go away as soon as the contract gets signed, and not for a penny less than what we already agreed on. She sat back, the coldness behind her eyes giving the girl a look of maturity far beyond her years. Gretchen smiled, lips pressed thinly together. Condor Rails will get the contracts at the proper price. It will just take time. Gretchen's tone offered no argument, but Anya frowned. Time. Throw enough money at it and suddenly the clock starts working again. And when the money doesn't work, she paused. You need to fix their lawyers. We will not be getting our hands dirty. No one is expecting you to. Perhaps my associate can better inform the table about those matters. Gretchen indicated to the server. All eyes fell on Humphrey. He began trying to look at all the aristocrats at once. My lady, I, I don't understand what you're asking. My connections to the guild are... He stopped, as though trying to listen to a sound only he could hear. Eventually he shuddered, eyes filling completely like black pools, body stiffening and warping like a piece of paper being crumpled into a bald fist. His neck sank and his fingers seemed to elongate, gripping the edges of his chair like a spider surrounding its meal. His mouth pulled back, pink flesh filled with black veins. These same worm-like vessels emerged from beneath his rapidly paling skin. Anya looked on in horror as the monstrous server's pitch-black eyes sparkled. We burned the old papers and made others us when they did not listen. Some of us know the rails are important. We can see it done. We did it. We remain unnoticed. Something in its body crinkled wetly. It stuttered, the server's body twitching as it tried to get the words out. We talk, talked, talking to the ones in masks, the ones in power. We fear them, but are important enough to speak with them. We do not like them. Empty husks, hungry, difficult and smart because of that one. We are tired but get the papers, the important papers with many signatures, We'll get the remainder soon. The server's head swung heavily to Anya, unblinking and almost absent. The colour drained from Anya's face, and she shifted uncomfortably. Something about the server's tone suggested that it didn't mean the society members when it said we. It continued, black veins twitching in its neck. They fear, worry, what they cannot control. Not us. We tell them all is well, 
many of us, many times. We suggested alternatives, Ed. The server stopped speaking for a moment. One eye spasmed, and then it resumed speaking. Dendums. They sign, some will tonight. All are pleased. Makes us calm and pleased. The papers with the winged train. We're packing them away, and carry them to the meeting soon. We wonder if Margaret has made pot roast for dinner. The server stopped again, a very brief look of confusion coming over its features. It hesitated and then went quiet. The veins retreated back under its skin. We have ensured the packs will be made in your favour. Its voice was now heavier and more present. Anya didn't speak for a long while. Fine, she eventually said, sitting back. As long as Condor Reels gets her contracts, you all can do whatever the hell you want. She moved her seat away from Humphrey, putting another six or so inches between them. The server's dark eyes just watched, as though it was curious about the phenomenon playing out before it. Ludwig continued unperturbed. Lucas McCabe and Jesse Halliday appear to work well together, and we plan to continue sending them into the field for achievers. Their latest prize, that piece there, Ludwig motioned to the case in the centre of the conference area. Its middle shelf was occupied by a series of interlocking gears, smooth and beautiful despite their age. But that hadn't been the only prize. Gretchen could sense it, feel the tiny runes shining in her eyes. How beautiful they were. Dark as the depths, and cast upon the ever-changing colours of the sea. She could see each one. Ra. Cora, Adler, Verlon. Gretchen? The older woman blinked, trying to hide her distraction. She looked up at Ivan, eyes narrowing imperceptibly. The man stared before he gently repeated his question. Are there any plans to send out more teams to acquire new items for the society? Aside from Mr. McCabe and Miss Halliday. What about that bass fellow you spoke about some time ago? Of course. McCabe and Halliday already have their next assignment, and the good sheriff will be fulfilling his part shortly. I concern yourself more with your own tasks, Ivan. How are the arcanists in the Union faring? Troublesome, Ivan admitted. Dangerous. Collapsing in on themselves. It's not ideal, but Karis and Einstein have found some common ground. It won't take that much to push them over the edge again. But this alliance has made it more difficult to acquire the items you were interested in. The gentleman acquiesced, raising his hands in defense. Now I pride myself on being a man who admits when he is not performing to expectations. It may take a little bit more time to investigate Ramos warehouses and Arcanist holdouts, but it will be done. He winked, ever charming despite Gretchen's needling. Gretchen contemplated. Her darkened eyes met Ivan's without wavering. I will continue to assume that you are more than capable of delivering on our requests, especially considering the little bauble we've learned you from the bayou. More quickly than your friends in the foundry, I would expect. There was no question in Gretchen's last statement. Ivan swirled the ice in his glass. He slowly rotated his ivory cane, eyes never leaving the jet-black soulstone capping it, seemingly devoid of light despite the illumination filling the room. He chose his words carefully. On that, well, 
he seemed to lose himself for a moment. It was surely a trick of the light, but it seemed like Ivan's shadow flickered, as though it had whispered something in his ear. I couldn't possibly comment, was what Gretchen thought she heard, but Ivan's murmur was difficult to make out. The moment left as quickly as it came. English Ivan stood, setting his glass down. He sent the table a casual smile, ever the picture of refinement. On that note, I will take my leave. The night is still young, and I must tend to other matters that do not include my fellows. The arcanists will be handled, and the lady shall have the books and relics she asks for. He bowed slightly in Gretchen's direction, before donning his black bowler hat. I trust no one has an issue if my better half takes my place. At that, a shadow peeled away from the wall. It appeared to be something close to English Ivan. Thanks to the darkness of the room, the outline of a suit was just visible. A shadowy face would have been handsome if anything but its eyes were visible. Both Ivan and the shadow doffed their hats to one another in unison. The shade took Ivan's place, settling down on the chair with long fingers politely placed over his knees. English Ivan walked into the shadow that his own had emerged from. There was a brief flash from the runes Ivan wore beneath his clothing. As soon as his coattails passed through the umbral portal, the gloom resumed, obeying the laws of the room's natural light, and faded. The shadow gently leaned over the table, reaching with its long fingers for Ivan's abandoned drink. It took a try or two, but eventually managed to grab the half-empty glass. It rested the tumbler on its knees, more appreciating the feeling than making any effort to sip. Gretchen enjoyed the silence for a moment, before announcing... Well, it appears that most of our group has taken to their own interests. I believe we can call this meeting adjourned. Anya wasn't past her first word before Gretchen held up a hand. You'll be receiving several messages in the next few days from the Guild regarding the Innocence Line and others. I think you'll find the compensation more than agreeable. The Society takes care of its own, Anya. Remember that. Gretchen let the threat slowly dissolve in the air. I will... I look forward to it. Anya pushed herself out of her chair, straightening her coat. She gave one last disgusted stare at the server and a sidelong glance at the shadowy apparition before leaving, her accountants quietly in tow. Gretchen turned her attention to the man-shaped shadow. Make sure he sticks to his deadlines, won't you? she asked. The shade tipped its hat, gingerly placing the glass back on the table. It poured across the sofa and seemed to slither into a crook of shadow near the wall. In a moment it was gone. I believe we accomplished what needs to be done. Gretchen's eyes drifted across the room, as Ludwig replied. I would say so. There are still a few minor notes to go over. Contacting Mrs. Agassiz to see about bringing her in. Corroborating findings and all that. Some council business, of course. Preparing new cases for when Jedza returns... Ludwig trailed off. Gretchen seemed far away. She was tapping her finger again. All matters for another day. The party should still be going upstairs. If both of you wouldn't mind mingling with the riffraff, I'll join you shortly. Nogatoro and Ludwig looked at one another, but complied. Nogatoro made his way across the hall, and was starting up the stairs before Ludwig had unseated himself. The guild man followed. Bellis sent legal papers forcing him into a very unbalanced waddle as he made his way back to the party. 
When she sensed the room was empty, save for herself and Humphrey, Gretchen stood. The server mimicked her and followed as Gretchen walked over to one of the walls near the cases. She smirked at the idea of hiding magic amidst magic. None of the others had an inkling of the idea. Gretchen whispered a few words and mechanical clicks issued down the wall. A dark line blossomed from the doorframe. Gretchen breathed in deeply, cool air prickling her lungs. The server followed her inside and closed the door after it. The server waited patiently. Its black eyes watched Gretchen walking around the room. The magical wards here were harsh, strong. Despite them, they could feel the ancient power held inside these cases, far surpassing the treasures on display outside. In its oldest mind, the server could taste it. It was familiar, terrifying. It knew Gretchen appreciated the objects of its focus. Each one had been hidden, lost, abandoned, and now they were found. Can you remember any of it? Gretchen asked softly. She knew the answer by heart, but always hoped for something different. The server clicked its jaw. We cannot always. She kept us away for so very long, but they are familiar, some of them. A golden sundial split into concentric rings, with little petroglyphs depicting three-legged creatures, with half of its face missing but also present. A piece of heavy stone that reeked of death, trapped safely behind dim glass. Three large hammers hung side by side, glass crusted with filth spreading from a blade held daintily within. A sphere of perfect, flawless frost, and a leather-bound book inscribed with burning runes. It hurt to look at, even from behind the wards. Gretchen read the title over and over, feeling the insanity and magic burning within. It was like looking at the sun. Eventually she pulled her gaze away. There was so much more to see. A collection of gears and spindles, beautifully worked, with a brilliant red gem, but only part of a whole. A knife, if one could call it that, with a blade that was nothing, yet twisted. Bones laid on a cloth, far too large and strange to be human. Rune marked the area around these sigils like burned crystal. Gretchen stopped at a case and smiled, reached to both sides and unlocking the top. It lifted open and the servant's infested body shivered with a new magic that washed out, unrestrained by the case's wards. It's taken so much time, but we're close. The link was just one more piece. Gretchen's long fingers removed the brooch from her throat. A practice motion saw the heavy green soul stone loose from the jeweler's setting. She stared at the stone, its depths misty and swirling in the presence of such magic. Gretchen allowed herself a small chuckle. The soul stone fit right into its place, held in a stand made of black iron. A dirt-covered monocle lay beside it, the lens splintered. The soul stone flickered, but Gretchen ignored it closing the case and resealing its wards. The server had never stopped looking at her. This new world is large, different than we remember. She has returned to the old forest, where the blade now sits, a potent weapon and prize, the server murmured to itself. We are learning much. We are seeing much. We understand. Its wet eyes looked at one of the cases, 
tall and empty, as though built to house the sword it spoke of. Gretchen took another deep breath, satisfied with the room's contents. As it should be. Come, I don't want you to burn out this vessel. He's been useful, Gretchen said, barely audible. The pair left the chamber and its potent cocktail of magic. The warded door sealed itself and blended seamlessly into the wall. They returned to the table, where Gretchen took a seat next to the server. She heard him make a soft, squelching noise. The host's skin regained its color as the limbs relaxed and the black veins retreated deep into his body. She looked back to the hidden door. It was closed and invisible. The vessels never remembered anything, but it never hurt to double-check. A surprised breath brought back Gretchen's attention. Humphrey's mind had returned. He blinked several times, as though he'd been brought into a bright light. My... my lady? Humphrey's confusion was evident, and he was frightened. Gretchen adopted a face of concern. Are you all right? she asked, feigning worry. You seem to faint for a moment. The panic of the working class rapidly splashed across Humphrey's face. Apologies and self-deprecation poured out of him in a stream, but Gretchen raised a hand to calm him. It's nothing to apologize for. We're all human. I'm just glad to see you're still in good health. Humphrey looked immediately relieved. The second wave of apologies and thanks fell out of him while he stood and fetched his tray. Gretchen rose and placed a hand on Humphrey's back to guide him towards the stairs. Perhaps returning to the party would do us some good. There are always so many interesting faces to mingle with, wouldn't you agree? Humphrey nodded politely, listing the attendants he'd had the pleasure to encounter during the evening. Gretchen wasn't listening. She already knew about all of them, about the secrets their eyes and ears told her. It was all just one more piece, one more little link in the chain. Ra, Cora, Atla, Renan. That's it for another episode of the Breachside Broadcast. Join us next time for more Tales of Malifaux.